Like emotionally distant? <laughs> well, we've only just begun to chat, so I don't know. But uh... <laughs> Well, I just, I psychologically distant? <laughs> it, it sounds like that gigantic microphone ain't doing its job, that's for sure. It's, it's, not, it's not cutting its weight? It's not, it's not, and it looks heavy. It's not the size of your microphone, it's what you use it for, with, whom, uh, whatever. I can't even believe I went there. It felt like I needed to, though. Hey, everybody. I'm Todd Conklin. I am your host for the Pre-Accident Podcast today, and it's going to be a great one. Just get ready. I mean, that's kind of a teaser of how cool it's going to be. I think you're going to enjoy this podcast. I'm going to talk to Jeff um, Lith. He's a Vancouver safety dude who is edgy and funny and interesting and is doing some amazing stuff. Well, he talks about it, actually, in the podcast, so that's cool. I'm trying to think if I have any exciting information to give you about, um, you know, the world as we know it, what's going on in the world. Everything seems pretty grand to me. I mean, I've been talking to lots of you guys. I just got back from um, the Steelworkers Safety Conference, which was super fun. Special thanks and greetings to all those guys because that was really a good time. I mean, we really had a great time. There were a lot of them. (laughs) They call them Legion, for they are many. But uh, it was great, and Jim and Mike and the gang, it was uh, great fun. And the other thing is, if you're if you're thinking about going to the Denver conference, uh, May 22, 23, 24, Fundamentals Learning Fatalities, um, there's a block of rooms available at the Embassy Suites Stapleton, or I used to call it Staple Gun when I lived there, but it's Stapleton. Um, that's available. Just ask for the block with my name. That'll be fine. It's filling up, which always kind of freaks me out. But except this one's going to be, it's really good because Andrea's going to teach. Uh, it looks like maybe Andy's going to come over from New Zealand. Um, I'll be there. Bob's going to be there. Um, plenty of time with all of us. And I like the Embassy Suites just because there's a social hour that they have at pretty much every Embassy Suites. Um, and so that that sort of builds in a couple hours of fun and excitement and free hors d'oeuvres and libations. And so that's all really fun. Uh, if you're interested in going, uh, chat us up because we'd love to have you. Um, it's the crowd looks quite remarkable. It's but it's 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 cool. It's it's some some cats that we've worked with before and a whole bunch of new people, which is kind of why we do these. And so that's, that's a fun thing. I mean, that'll be really fun and that's available and we'd love, 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 love to have you. That'd be super cool. I mean, really super cool. Okay. Big news. what do you think about the Eric Hallnagel um, interview, that conversation? Didn't, didn't you like it? Isn't he, isn't he stunningly interesting? And the fact that I, I ask him, you know, what 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 book do you like that you wrote? That's a really important uh, question to ask an author because books get away from you. They, I don't know how else to describe it. They just get away from you. And some of them you don't like as much as others. I think I'll ask Decker that question the next time I, I get him on the podcast as well. But I thought for the special thanks to Eric, too, because that is not something he wanted to do nor something he likes to do, nor something he's terribly willing to do. But I sort of tricked him, and he was a great sport, and, and that's good. He's a, he's a kind man who's a smart dude 
and it's fun to talk to him. Everything around here is going good. The year of getting rid of stuff, I have a uh, pickup bed full of crap to take to the Salvation Army, and it's only going to get more this weekend. That is my plan, so I got that all planned out. So while you're enjoying this podcast, I bet I'm moving boxes of crap to the back of the pickup because that's what I'll do. That's that's the way I do it. Um, other than that, I hope you're doing good, and I hope things are happening for you. And there's just so much good stuff out there now. I was, I was looking at the books available around this kind of new view of safety, and there are so many more people out there in the community writing books and thinking about things. And, and that is only good. I mean, that only makes it better because the stronger we make this community, the more informed we make this community, the more collaborative we make this community, the better off we'll be. And, and that my friends is my wish for everybody. Let me not yammer on too much longer because we've got a podcast to listen to and it's a fun little interview. So with no further ado, sit back and listen to the dulcet Canadian tones of Jeff Liff. I can't talk. Jeffrey Liff. Jeff Liff. Ah, I never thought that was hard to say until I tried to say it. And uh, and uh, and myself. And we'll chat up a little bit. And this pretty much is focused on kind of the whole new view approach, uh, especially as it relates to British Columbia. But it applies to the whole world. Here's Jeff. Enjoy. Microphone costs a lot of money too. This is the best. Oh, microphone. It looks like it. This yeah. is the best microphone money can buy. Well, it's your your sound quality is real good at your end. <laughs> um, I don't know what to do about this, brother. No, you sound good. It's working fine. Okay, I can hardly hardly hear you, but you want me to you want me to redial? Well, man, if uh, if it's coming through fine, then I guess we'll we'll go with it. Yeah, you sound great. Okay, good. I mean, it's really clear and it's good digital and it's not, it, it sounds good. Oh, you, you, like you sound like a star. <laughs> Even without the microphone. It's true. So, so, um, how's it going? I mean, what, what's up? It sounds like you're doing all sorts of exciting stuff. Well, things have gotten real busy in the last, uh, couple of months, I think. Um, it might have to do with the, the heresy piece. Um, there's just a lot going on, you know, just things are starting to move pretty fast. Well, the heresy piece is, uh, is super interesting to me because I'm, so I find anybody that works out on the edge of anything exciting. And I find, <laughs> uh, I find the work you're doing really interesting just because it's, uh, um, it's, it's an interesting, it's, it's, you're in a high risk kind of area and it's kind of cool. <laughs> uh, high risk industry, high risk space, and safety differently. Or yeah, I th high I risk more, jurisdiction. I think more high risk space as opposed to yeah. high risk industry. But but uh, yeah, you're also well, in high risk to... industries. But I mean, uh, I was thinking more like sort of like political risk. Well, I mean, I so with the heresy. I mean, admittedly, um, uh, identifying with with believing things that I don't think are common beliefs. Um, so I'm comfortable with the heresy piece. Uh, I try not to be, uh, irreverent or disrespectful. Um, and so I don't, you know, I, I want to make some waves of change. We're ripe for it here in this jurisdiction, but, uh, you know, I try not to do it without creating too many enemies or getting too political. So do me, do me a huge favor, Jeff, introduce yourself to us. Give us kind of uh, your background. Okay, I'm Jeffrey Lith. I'm from Vancouver, British Columbia. The greatest and I've been, city uh, in the world. One of the greatest cities you. in the world. Just want to get thank that you, out there. Thank, 
Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, not a not a huge desire to leave, actually, which which explains some of what I'm doing these days. Um, but I've been involved in health and safety for about 26 years, uh, and the first 20 of them were quite conventional, and the last six have been uh, risk taking and anything but conventional. Um, and it's led to this point, you know, this spring of 2018 with a political change in our province, with so much information coming out all the time now about this movement, and I. I We'll stand by that. I think this this uh, subject of ours is a movement. Um, so yeah, and the heresy it really just takes on three three kind of aspects. I think the the standard safety differently points. You know, people as a people as a, the problem solvers and and uh, safety as the presence of positives and and that sort of thing. But the others, you know, I, I think there's some safety professional heresy. Uh, summarized by the fact that I think our the safety profession has been uh, very critical externally, uh, incredibly critical when it looks at workers or the world of work. Uh, and but where it's been very appreciative is is with itself at at conference internally. You know, we we give each other awards and and we pat each other on the back on the back within safety communities. But we look out at the world of work very critically, and I propose that we should change that. And that we should uh, seek to appreciate the world of work and be less judgy and critical when we're looking at it, seek to understand it. And I think where we do need a bit uh, of critical thought is, is inwardly, where we look at our, our mythology and our practices and, and really cast a, a critical eye to the things we do as a, as a profession. So what was it six years ago that, that led you towards the sort of this new view? I mean, because you, you, um, you basically threw, threw away 20 years of, of experience, kind of. Ouch. Well, I didn't mean, I didn't mean <laughs> it that way, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I hope it's not thrown away. I, you know, I started off as a first aid attendant. I, I got into this safety notion quite accidentally. Uh, so it's always, I've been a paramedic and a lifeguard, and, and it means a lot to me to, to, to prevent those injuries that I've seen a lot of. And so when I was a first aid attendant first, I started working in the construction industry and and immediately it wasn't about bandages and splints, it was about prevention. And I didn't know anything about prevention. So from 20 years, over the course of 20 years, I found myself um, director of health and safety for a pretty large construction company. And I had two national designations and we were passing audits and, and we were doing everything we were supposed to be doing. But I had a very uneasy feeling that, uh, I, you know, the the administrative uh, pieces of paper that were crossing my desk every day uh, were kind of cold comfort when I thought that we had upwards of 4,000 people on any given day across all of our projects. And those people were, you know, their safety was was based on how they were on that ladder and using those tools and the judgments and decisions they were making and how they were being led. And I, I really questioned how much my safety management system was really having a positive impact on any of that. So, and then a couple of other things happened in December 2010 here, we had, uh, there was two fatalities on construction projects within three blocks of one another, within five minutes of one another. Uh, so that was very shocking. And then in 2012, we had a, two sawmill explosions in British Columbia. And those were particularly frustrating because the, the dust in those sawmills was known. Well, in the first case, the issue of dust in the sawmills was was known and being discussed, but it wasn't recognized as an explosive hazard. So after the first sawmill 
exploded. Uh, everybody was well aware, but a few months later, a second sawmill exploded. So I kind of took these things as, I guess, signs of the limited effectiveness of what we were doing. And I thought there had to be more. So on leap year, February 29th, 2012, I, I left that position and uh, went out went out into the world trying to get the answers. So what what was the first thing? How'd you get turned on to safety differently stuff? What was the first thing? How were you exposed? Well, that was another another big accident. I mean, when I left, when I left, my topic was leadership, field level leadership, and it still is to a large degree. That um, we had so much management, you know. By I like John Cotter's explanation of of leadership and management, but we we were doing so much to manage, and leadership was a lost art. So what I started in 2012 was. Uh, really refining a, a program uh, for frontline leaders to really get their heads around leadership and, and help develop their own leadership skills. Um, so that's how it started. And the first couple of years were focused on that. Um, and then I, I I don't actually recall how I, uh, it could have been the, reading the field guide, probably. And then it was just all downhill from there it's you know <laughs> once you blur. go outside it's the box you can't go back inside the box <laughs> so so was there anything that's did it hit you like a lightning bolt did it did it come on fast did it come on slow yeah well it it, it came on real fast and it it was um you know i was fairly i don't know what this would have been 2013 or 2014 and so there was already a fair bit out there um so to me it, it once i started discovering it and discovered more aspects of it. It, it, it came on pretty fast uh, and it dovetailed beautifully with what we were saying in the leadership piece, right? Which was, a, you know, really a socio-technical approach, looking at the people and their needs and how they are as, as humans and then looking at our systems of work and, you know, appreciating good work. So there was a lot of points of connection between uh, field level leadership based on transformational leadership and a lot of these tenants that are coming out of the safety two movement. So one of the things that I think is so impressive with you is that you, you jumped in with both feet. I mean, you just, you know, oftentimes there's a little learning curve, maybe little is the wrong word. There's a learning curve and people sort of, they're pretty cautious. They sort of stick their toe in and kind of try these ideas, but it seems like you, you just kind of went in with both feet and moved really quickly. I mean, you're, your knowledge base was amazingly fast, and that, that's interesting to me. Yeah, well, I'm glad it looks that way. Um, <laughs> there's there's a lot of misstarts and false starts, and and it, it just continues to evolve, right? And a lot of wrong ideas. But yeah, it was risky. Yeah, I, you know, it. it uh, I, I felt that if the most of the people involved in health and safety, at least in this neck of the woods, they're they're managing health and safety for organizations. And so they're neck deep in it uh, and they've got their, their metrics and they've got their job to do. And I was in that position. And I think it's very difficult to look around and take a breath and see what's out there when you're, you know, when you're that deep in it every day. Um, and the other folks are, are um, well, obviously working for the regulator or working for associations or they're, they're auditors. They're doing, they're going out and, and auditing to our standard uh, safety management system. So everybody has got something invested in the game and nobody's really in a position to, to either really look around or to, to comment on it. I mean, certainly anybody outside of that crowd speaking ill of, of safety is against safety, right? 
and they'll be branded that way. And I think people are hard pressed to brand me as a as against safety. So again, with with as much respect as I can muster, uh, it's really time to sort of point out the, you know, the 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 challenges with present day safety that we're all aware of. And and again, in British Columbia, uh, it's particularly important to me here, um, which is why we're doing some of the cool stuff, bringing people here, is that um, we've well, we've just elected a, a Labour government after 16 years. And so as that pendulum swings back and forth, um, I think I think there's an opportunity. Um, it, BC has a long history of swinging back and forth between partisan politics, between uh, big union-driven uh, groups and, and employer-driven groups. And so that pendulum swinging back and forth in British Columbia for years and years and years, um, you know, backed up with the, the kind of hierarchical top-down challenges of, of health and safety. Um, and that, oh, and one other thing I would add is that our, our workers' comp insurance company and our enforcement agency have been the same entity for 100 years. So it, it's really an amazing Petri dish, I think, British Columbia right now. We've got a new government with a mandate to make us the safest jurisdiction in Canada. And we've got a long history of seeing the pendulum. So we have this terrific opportunity to, to stop this binary pendulum and, and do something new. So um, been a lot of effort to create a local group with the Safety Differently Book Club and efforts to bring um, folks here for workshops and seminars and, and spread that, all that good, uh, good information around the local community and see what change we can make. Tell me about the book club. What what got because that's what a great idea to build community. What what got into you to get that started, and what are you looking at, and how do you do it? Uh, well, we started. <laughs> excuse me. A lot of us uh, in the local community would go out to the regular chapter meetings of the the typical safety associations, and and a couple. It was like three years ago, maybe that we started thinking, well, you know, we could get together and we could go to a restaurant and have a glass of wine and a nice dinner and talk about these new ideas. And so we started just doing that. Um, and it kind of percolated under. We're all busy. We didn't get together very much. But so many people wanted it to come back that we're kicking it off. We're kicking it off uh, pretty big this year and coming out of the closet and, and opening it up to anybody interested just because in three years the – I think the topic has evolved that much, but we call ourselves a, a drinking club with a safety problem. Uh, <laughs> I like that. I, I approve. <laughs> no, it's good. It's, it's a good group. And, and you just, I just couldn't keep it sort of under wraps anymore. Or there was no point in keeping it low key because there's such a sort of a booming interest. Uh, How many folks do you have? Well, we were a core group. We were just maybe 15 or so of us uh, a couple of years ago. And we've got a big, uh, a pretty big uh, pub night coming up on April 9th. And I think we're going to see, I don't know, I dare say 50, 60 people at that you're one. You're kidding. Really? That's yeah. amazing. What are you yeah. guys reading? What's, what's the first book you're taking off on? Well, we're not quite that structured. We've had, uh, you know, the earlier meetings, we would just get together and discuss current events or challenges anybody was having. We do have a reading list. Um, you know, you're on it, and uh, so we do. You know, the theme of this meeting is Jens Rasmussen, and we're going to try to give a nod to his life and work. And you know, too many people. I'm no scholar on Jens's work, but but uh, I myself 
I'm somewhat aware and, and I want to spread the word. If we can get half of those people to Google them up and spend some time uh, looking looking at that work, then I think we've done something good. Absolutely. And and um, it, it is it's really a fitting sort of honor to to sort of bring Jens's work into the discussion. And it's so seminal. It's so important to the way we think about performance and the way we think about sort of how workers work that, that I think that'll be really interesting. You should get some pretty good stuff out of that. I'd think. Yeah, I think it'll be a good discussion. Um, and, and I, I want to see the group go forward. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll keep on it. I know that, uh, uh, Sid has offered to, uh, attend one of our meetings when he's back in town next year. And we'd love to have you up Todd and come up to a, one of our get togethers. Sure. I, I'll, I'll go to a pub night anywhere. And if there's fried <laughs> stuff to eat, I'm there. You know, well, that's all it takes yeah, for me. So what are you yeah, doing? Rec- what are you doing now? I mean, are you consulting? Are you working with, with groups? Are you what's going on there? Uh yeah. Well, yeah. Um have a few clients. Um a lot of times we um not doing too much conventional safety. Um sometimes it's coaching for a safety manager or safety department through some workshops and some some sort of proposed, you know, interventions, some, some different things they can do going forward. Um, so yeah, coaching of, of committees or, or safety departments, safety managers. We don't, one thing is that most safety consultants here, uh, have a tendency to replace, uh, a safety manager in an organization or has a hired gun act as that, that organization's safety management presence. And that's not something that I do. I, I tend to work with companies that already have that in place, uh, but they're experiencing a plateau or a glass ceiling or some challenges and, and they're looking for new ideas. How far do you think you'll take this, um, this uh, safety heretic idea? Well, hopefully not far. If, if everybody agrees, then I won't have anything to, you know, be a heretic against, right? <laughs> yeah, um, that's how, that is how hereticness works. Hereticishness. <laughs> Herit, yeah. Hereticality. There, there you go. No, it's true. I, I just think it's a matter of time, but it was a, it was, I think it was a fitting description. It came from the hop, uh, what is it? The hop yard in San Ramon. There's yes. A, there's the a heretic. I, oh, the, hop. What is it? No, the, the, I think it's called the hop yard. It's a, it's a hop. little restaurant in San Ramon in the corner of a mall. That's right. So they have a, they, they have a heretic IPA. And, um, that was, that was when the idea first came, but I, you know, I thought it was a fitting way to take a stab at, at respectfully disagreeing with the status quo and pointing out ways that we could move forward, uh, pointing out ways safety professionals can move forward and organizations can move forward. But really right now it's about this entire jurisdiction of British Columbia, because like I said, we've got this terrific opportunity. We've got, you know, so much good information on the table. Um, and, and we're kind of a classic jurisdiction. Uh, we're kind of a classic safety one jurisdiction, put it that way. Are um, people pushing back on you? I mean, do you, are you getting heat? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, I guess if you don't have, you don't have a troll or two, you're not, you're not doing it right, you know, on at least online. But I think locally, I, you know, I, I try to spread the good word and, and, um, continue down those paths. I haven't reached too much or encountered too much uh, negative blowback. A lot of trepidation on the part of the regulator. It's not really, you know, this whole historic compromise business. And 
putting the enforcement and insurance under the same roof for a hundred years, um, it has the effect of of them of them really doubling down that that prevention or sorry enforcement is the only answer. You know, enforcement, uh, the success of which is measured in insurance metrics, that's that's deeply entrenched. And I sort of slipped there and called it prevention. Even our our enforcement division, the entire division of enforcement for our regulator is called the prevention division. Um, so it's kind of telling right there that um, the vast majority of what they consider preventative effort is is just enforcing the rules. And I think I think companies, well, not just here but everywhere, have really internalized a kind of a a regulatory approach to health and safety. Um, and really, looking back, um, we didn't we never really had to. Um, so many companies hire on uh, internal safety enforcement and they act like an internal officer of the regulator. Well, we already have a regulator. And if anything goes sideways, the company's largely going to stand together or deal with it internally. So I think that we can, the whole move, I don't know if you've seen my graphic there, but in my mind, what we're trying to do is move away from just the blue light of enforcement and include the other additive primaries, red and green, for people and systems. And between the three colors, the red, green, blue, we should be able to do some good work. So what's the future hold? What do you think will be in five years? Oh, as a movement or here? Either. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of interested in where you'll be in five years. What do you think you'll be thinking about? What will you be doing? Wow. Uh, what I'd like to see happen, um, I, I think, we'll, you know, we're, I'm going to continue to try to bring um, folks like yourself and Sid and, and uh, Dr. Rob Long and, and others to this jurisdiction uh, and spread the good word here to try to influence us as a province to see what we can do in our whole construct of, of uh, health and safety at work. Um, so it's a golden opportunity. If we can stop this hundred-year-old pendulum in British Columbia uh, dead in its tracks and maybe getting it swinging along another axis, um, or at least to experiment with it, I think we could be really leading the charge here. Um, so that's what I would like to see. I would like to see our Labour Minister's uh, words be very true. And I would like to see this political change be the opportunity that we can uh, really you know, move safety in British Columbia ahead into the 21st century. So if you were to give one piece of advice to, uh, to a safety person that's about to go on this journey with you, even in BC or anywhere, but in BC is always interesting to me, what would it be? What, what would you tell them? Mm, don't quit your day job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, two pieces of advice. I'll, I'll let that one stand. What's second? I think the most important thing I would say, you know, is that is that it's a movement. I, I we've had some discussion with Eric Hallnagel about this and others, and you know, is it a movement? Are there leaders? What is this? And I, I really believe that safety two or safety differently is a movement. Um, so I would say to people out there that they can honestly don't quit your day job. You can, you can tap into this information and become a part of this movement. Uh, uh, you know, as you as you're comfortable with or as you agree or as, as you want to. Um, but with that comes the notion that safety one and safety two are, are not mutually exclusive. Like I think the, the biggest thing we have to talk about is that, is that through sp combining safety one thinking, because it's a safety one world, let's face it, right? 
um, combining that thinking with safety to thinking and seeing the whole um, is the answer. That it's it's a holistic thing. It's not an either or thing. So safety professionals don't have to, you know, do anything too dramatically different or give up on anything they believe or anything they hold dear necessarily to go on this journey. Big thanks to Jeff. What do you think? Isn't it interesting? He's really fun. I mean, he's just fun. He's he's fun to hang out with. He's definitely fun to go to class. He's interesting to listen to him speak. His his web presence, his book club. He's got it. He's just got it. He's a busy guy, man. And he's fun as well. And I was so glad he was able to sneak some time away and uh, spend it with us. It was a great conversation. I always enjoy talking to him. I, I bet he'll be back on too because it's. It's completely worth it. That is the podcast for today. Once again, if you get a chance, Denver's wide open, 22nd, 23rd, 24th. We'd love to have you. Until then, my friends, learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe. Good goes around and around.